You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the Boss Hogger Liberty Podcast on the We Are Libertarians Network. I'm your host, Jeremiah Morrill, and as always, I'm joined by our co-host, Dakota Davis. Hi, Dakota. I'm excited for tonight. You should be. Our show is about our lives in rural Indiana. It's a show about folks who are involved in politics, and we promise that our episode is going to be a fun and easy listen. We interview people who are influencers, elected officials, political experts, and folks that we just find interesting. Our guest today is definitely all of those things. We are joined by Melanie Wright, a state representative of uh, Yorktown, Indiana. Welcome, Melanie. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. So we're excited to have you. And then the uh, in our, our co-host chair, our fourth co-host chair, it's uh, it's a we have a big announcement, Dakota. It's Danny Morrill. That's right. Baby brother. Officially in a co-host chair this time, not just a guest chair. I'm paid now. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you get uh, you got a free beer, right? No, he no, brought I brought I brought no. that. <laughs> no, I'm really excited. Got to write a bio, and uh, happy to be here and feel like I'm contributing on the website now. That's right. Yeah. So, so if you uh, go to thebossogerliberty.com and you look at hosts, there are eight co-hosts listed now. You're one of eight. One of eight. That's so. That's uh, better than one of ten, I suppose. <laughs> that's well. Maybe someday Melanie will agree to be a co-host too. <laughs> So, uh, in addition to Danny, we've added uh, Chase Payton and Cade Coger, who have both been on. They've yeah, passed their right. auditions, and they're officially co-hosts. So, you can, if you go to the website, you can click on their names, find their contact information, and how to follow them and interact. And uh, it's got a link and a listing of all the episodes that they've been a part of. So, we're glad to have you on the show, Danny. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. All right. Dakota, you had a busy week without me. I did. We've I gone a whole week without, without seeing each other. We haven't yeah. gone more than two hours without speaking, but we've gone a whole week without seeing each other. Yeah, and I had the... I, had the first two days of this week on vacation, too, and I still had a busy week. How does that happen? You had a busy week at work? No, like, not at work, just, like, in life. My my life was busy, and I was supposed to be relaxing and doing nothing but sitting on the couch and breathing. Yeah, you did more than that. Yeah. You, you were, like, the, the number one media outlet for Henry County on yeah, Monday it, night. It got wild. I didn't expect that. Like, now, now I know how those people that, like, go viral... You know how they feel? Yeah, I feel like a, a local celebrity. So on Monday night, you went to the Memorial Park uh, Park Board meeting. I did. Uh, with uh, Without me. I, no, I was I was out of go. town. Chase was supposed to go with me. He, he committed to it last week on the air. We should note yeah. that, that yep, he, he, he flaked out. It. And he uh, we were all going to go to Buffalo Wild Wings. Yep. And then, uh, well, all of a sudden, at the very last minute, Chase said, Hey, man, do you really need me at this thing? I was like, no, dude, you're okay. I can handle it. You know, no big deal. So it was just me. I covered the Memorial Park Board meeting of them trying to move the Doughboy statue. This was whenever they had the public comment, uh, the floor open for public comment. And I'm I'm almost convinced that there's never been a park board meeting that has been so well attended. It was uh, it was pretty solid. You probably had 30 people in the crowd. Yeah, about 30 people, all over the age of 55. Except for you. Except for me. 
and Travis uh, Travis White White of the Courier Times of the Brisket Gazette. I always always have to think Budweiser to think White. That's the way he introduces himself. Our local uh, local newspaper reporter before he's a newspaper reporter, he said it's Travis White W E I K like Budweiser. I'm like, how is that even close? (laughs) But he goes by that that or Oppenheimer. Those are (laughs) either way. Uh, so, the political so, climate's a little bit too shaky to say Oppenheimer. To, to use that one. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you covered the meeting, and uh, what was the result of it? What happened? Oh, man, it was it got pretty crazy. If you like the videos on our YouTube channel, it's also on the Facebook page, shared in Citizens of Henry County. Other people have shared it. It's gotten like 10,000 views, um, and it the meeting got a little bit wild. And like I said, the audience was all over 55. And you, uh, you definitely got the Facebook audience said you need to do something about your sound. So you, yeah, you, you made did. an Im- investment immediately. Yeah, they did it. And it like everybody kept telling me to to turn it up. Like I can't turn up the volume from my end. That's not how it works. Just turn the voices up. I'll, I'll come to your house and turn up your phone in a minute, sir. <laughs> so I was I immediately went at, like got on Amazon was trying to find boom mics that hooked onto. Uh, on the iPhone, have them drone dropped in. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna like, we're gonna go ahead. I'm like, and I'm gonna get a boom mic, and now I'm going to have to have Chase with me whenever I do these things. And it turns out, boom mics for iPhones are extremely expensive. We're gonna have to get lapel mics for everybody at a public meeting that we cover yeah, and ask them to all to speak into them. <laughs> yeah, if we cover the state house, we're gonna need about a hundred at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so. That would- so that worked out nicely. We uh, had, a, and that's something we want to do a little bit more of. You're volunteering yeah, or, or it, leading the uh, the public meeting coverage team. Yeah, that's kind of I Team Dakota. What I got from it, I really I enjoyed my time there. I enjoyed seeing it. Honestly, it was like a great source of live entertainment for me. Like, I mean, it was like Citizens of Henry County, the Facebook group, but in real life. But with real life people. Yeah, like I could I could see it. It wasn't just a post. I could hear the emotions and the voices. It was a. Plus. Was anybody speaking in caps locks? <laughs> <laughs> it might have gotten to that point. <laughs> we'll just have to watch the video. Well, that's a teaser. All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's get to know Melanie a little bit. I, I we were talking downstairs uh, before we started the broadcast. I, I've met Melanie once before. I do a little bit of work with uh, Purdue University and the extension uh, their extension arm. It's called P Carrot, which is uh, the Purdue Council on Agriculture Extension and Teaching. I got through it without making a mistake, so I'm very proud of myself. Uh, and she spoke at uh, an event at their farmland, uh, Indiana, uh, I guess it's a research campus, mm-hmm. uh, and we met there and, and kind of talked and got to know you. You've been uh, in the General Assembly, I guess, is this your, you're finishing your second term or you're starting your your, your fourth year, right? Right. I'll okay. start my fourth year on January the 3rd, right in the middle of my second term. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And uh, so you guys are just about ready to get really busy. Yep. Absolutely. So the uh, the way Indiana works, we have listeners that are all over. We have mm-hmm. we have a lot of folks that are local, and we have a lot of folks that are outside of Indiana as well. So you guys are a citizen legislature. That's correct. Uh, mm-hmm. And you just had a budget session last time, right. which is your long session, mm-hmm. and now you're going to go into a short one where you meet for about thirty. Is it thirty days of meeting days, or third? It's a month long. How how does this one work? We do ten weeks, and we might. It's rumor has it we might go a little bit shorter than that. Usually, it's right around St. Patrick's Day. Okay. So the ending date for sure has to be March 14th this year, um, but it might be a little bit earlier. Gotcha. So. With that, you have uh, – you basically have to – it's an interesting thing. You got – I wasn't going to go here, but I'm sure I will. Uh, 
you have to basically have a very flexible job to be able to do this or have right. a, or an employer that's working with you or be a business mm-hmm. owner or something. Right. Because you you're in session four, four or five days a week, right? Right. For that period right. of time. Yeah. So um, I teach at Daleville Community Schools, and my superintendent, uh, Mr. Paul Garrison, has always been very supportive, as has the school board. And so I just take an unpaid leave of absence, and then I have the a retired teacher who comes in and subs for me at the elementary, so she does my K-5 through load for general music. And then I have a former student who comes in and subs for me at the high school and she does the dance class and the eighth grade general music class. And then they yeah. keep her on, um, to finish up a half day sub. They use her in the resource room. Yeah, that's, that's our special. That's student. awesome. Yeah. I, I actually didn't know that you were still a teacher. I, yeah. it, on the show notes, it said the path from teacher to legislator, because you know, most of the time, uh, you know, a teacher is a yeah. full time job, right? Mm-hmm. So I I thought that you had to have moved on from that. Mm-hmm. But whenever I went and got my hair cut by by Clay Morgan, the uh, the fourth chair usually of MVP um, Barbershop on yeah. State Road Three, he was like, "Yeah, Melanie's uh, still a teacher, mm-hmm. right?" And I was like, "Oh, is she? Like, I had no idea." But yeah. that's really cool that you are able to uh, retain that position and still yeah. still be a legislator. We just had our big concert on Tuesday night. It went very well. Good yeah. attendance. Oh, packed house. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So then, and right after session, I'll just go right back to that. Usually I go back for a week or two, and then we have spring break, and then I go back <laughs> and finish the year. Awesome. So you, uh, you've been serving, you, you've gone through two cycles now, I guess. Mm-hmm. What brought you in? Were you serving in a, in a town board or something before? Or is this your first elected office? Uh, no. So I have a master's degree in curriculum instruction, and then I also have a principal's license, which I haven't kept current on because I went into politics. Figure that. <laughs> um, anyway, it's kind of baffling to me when I think about it. But um, so, so yeah, so. Where were we going with that? So (laughs) I guess what got you to run for state representative? Oh, okay. So um, I just started noticing everything that was changing in education, like especially with uh, No Child Left Behind that came in around 2001 to 2002, our first piece of federal legislation that impacted our local school corporations. And so then in 2011, there were two substantial pieces of legislation that came down. One was Senate Bill 575, which stripped collective collective bargaining, um, except for um, wages and wage-related benefits. And then the other one was Senate Bill 1, which tied student test scores to teacher evaluations, which I just fundamentally do not believe is right. right and that was all. the other conversation we had. I think we, did, we may have had the, cam- the, the live stream camera on, but not the, uh, the recorder yet. Uh, my new fiance, the lovely Sarah Potter, she was, she was in teaching, and that was one of her biggest yeah. gripes. And why she's not in teaching anymore mm-hmm. is because your performance is tied to right. you know, to the to the results of a nine year old. Right, right, right. And you know it, what it what it stifles is a child's love of learning, and we're not fostering them to look for the second right answer. You know, we're teaching them to look for one right answer. That's it, and that's how they're going to pass and move on to the next grade level, or that's how they're going to pass and uh, maintain the grade for the school. And we are mis- we are really causing a lot of angst and anxiety in our children. And I've noticed a substantial change in the last five years, as have my teacher friends. So did you have a clear primary? Did you have to did you jump in and have 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 some work to do? No, it's so strange. I didn't even know how that worked. I I had written to then Governor Mitch Daniels and then State Superintendent Tony Bennett and then Senator Doug Eckerty, who was a freshman at the time. 
and then my state representative. Um, and I received form letters back from the first two. Now, Senator Eckerty came in and met with 14 of my colleagues on a Saturday morning in my music room. Oh my. And I know I was so impressed. And even though I wish he would have voted a different way. He took um, the time to meet with you. He did. And he asked me some tough questions. And we always have had this very uh, mutual respect for one another because um, – you know, things morphed very quickly, and some of the things that we were concerned about have come to pass, you know, how our curriculum's being driven by standardized testing and things like that. Um, but I got a form letter back from my state representative. It was probably in June, and I had written just, you know, a detailed email that was not – I tried to be very respectful and point out some um, different points of view with some data. I made sure it wasn't a canned email. And um, I just got a canned response, and I just pulled it out of the mailbox and decided I was running for office at that very <laughs> moment right in my yard. And I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know I would have to ingratiate myself with two county chairs. I didn't know how any of that works. So when I was working on my master's, I um, made a, uh, just a small run for Franklin Lapel. Um, school board just to get the experience, but I really didn't know how to campaign and I didn't win that. Um, I just wanted the experience, but that's the only other, in the only other venture into politics I've ever taken. So your district is, it's very rural. It's very it's, rural. It's yeah. ag based and mm-hmm. uh, it, it covers portions of Delaware County and uh, Madison County, correct? Right. It's like basically the northern third of Madison County. So I've got the northern part of North Anderson. And then um, Alexandria, and then Frankton, and and Elwood, and then I also have um, Chesterfield, and then moving into Delaware County, um, Daleville, Yorktown, Western, and Southern Muncie. So you personally represent the world's largest ball of paint in Alexandria. I do, <laughs> and I I cannot believe I've not been to visit it yet. I have Can not we either. Point out that Jeremiah is probably the only one here that like could just remember that fact off the top of his head. <laughs> He's. Like such a ball Autistic. of information. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, there, we had a guy that worked with me for 15 years, a guy named Dan Granger worked at, worked at the rebar comp plant with me, and he's from Alexandria. And I, I swear to God, I didn't know he was from Alexandria because they call it Ellick. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I live in Ellick. I, I looked uh, at the map one day. I can't even find Ellick on the map, Dan. <laughs> I have no idea where you're talking about. He was the basketball ref. Yeah, he was a basketball yeah, I ref. Or he is, he, I think he still is. He called too many fouls. Yeah, he was a little rough on you sometimes in high school, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, he told me about this ball of paint. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I will never need that until today. And then I was like, oh, there it is. There it it's is. a baseball. It started out as a baseball that they started painting. And now it sits in a probably like a, a podcast studio. Happen? And it's well, suspended. You, see, you take a ball and then you start <laughs> putting layers of paint on it. Every I mean, business. how much time does it take to get something to that They size? let people come yeah. by and visit and put a pa- yeah. coat of paint on. And, paint and they it. count it. And yeah. they've tracked how many coats of paint are mm-hmm. on the thing. And that's wild. Isn't that? Is that like the... I think that it might be one of the biggest tourist attractions in eastern, east central Indiana. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, here in uh, Henry County. That and uh, the Steve Alford giant shoe in Henry County. Oh, uh, that's it. Maybe we should start painting the shoe. Yeah, that's what we should Every do. time Steve it's gets a new a job, coats. they coat it. They paint it. <laughs> it's in UCLA Bruins colors now. <clears throat> All right. So anyway, sorry. We totally derailed yeah, you there. No. But I just thought it was Not important yet. to point out that you, have the, you, <laughs> yeah. you represent the world's largest ball of paint. I do. I do. <laughs> so the... Uh, See, well, I hope the paint is happy with her voting right <laughs> Can does if you get a contribution from a uh, from a ball of paint, you have to put it on your CFA CFA one form. I probably will. <laughs> Christy Avery's watching live, and she said that the ball of paint is not as cool as the biggest ball of twine she saw in Minnesota once. So, well, it's an Indi- it's a Hoosier hospitality thing, Christy. You have to accept it. We've, we're very proud of what we have here. They can keep the twine up north. <laughs> 
So they're they're already under two feet of snow up there. So you have two county chairs uh, that do. you have that you that you're working with. So that means you have two county parties that you're plugging right. into for mm-hmm. volunteers and walking and mm-hmm. staying in the good graces, so that you don't you know end up getting primaried or something terrible happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and so I'm very fortunate that I get a lot of help from the state for my race. So every time I've run, I started in 2012, but I did not win that race. I narrowly lost by 444 votes. Um, but every time they've provided a campaign chairman or, or a campaign manager. Okay. So I have a local chairman and then a campaign manager who's just a young guy who comes in and runs everything. And, uh, yeah, and that's how we did it. Like in, in 2014, which was a total uphill battle because, you know, the top of the ticket is uh, Secretary of State. Yep, Absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, th- those are. It's hard to get people out to vote in a year like that. Yep. Yeah. Twenty fourteen for mm-hmm. for the libertarians. I, obviously, Dakota and I are involved in the Libertarian Party of Indiana, so that's always our biggest. That's our ballot access race. Uh, so we have to have to have ballot access uh, for libertarians as a minimum. We need two percent in the Secretary of State's race, and then to be considered a a major party, we need ten percent. So if we ever get to ten percent, then we don't have we. Uh, we go to a primary. We make the primary ballots, and we would have primaries instead of conventions at that point. Okay, that's the way it's set up. Um, I just learned something new. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, but this will be where I plug get rid of straight ticket voting because it would be amazing for for yeah. everybody. But straight ticket yeah. voting is the death of us sometimes. Uh, I think you should pick the person. Uh, you. There are some places like uh, lazy. There, there are some states where you don't have a, a party affiliations at all. You can be whatever you'd like mm. to be, but. Um, you know, I know in Nebraska, the libertarians have a, 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 an elected state representative or a state legislator. They're a unicameral legislature over there, so they only okay. ha- they don't have a house and a senate. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're they're just nonpartisan. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Laura Ebke, correct? Yep. yep. Absolutely. She came and spoke at our our state convention. She did a great job out there. Yep. Good. It's good to meet her. So anyway, that's my plug for uh for for Very eliminating the uh straight ticket the straight voting. ticket voting yeah. it's of the devil That's what <laughs> says. we got rid of it for i think I, I don't know if you were involved in it or not but the uh for county council races now you don't have straight ticket voting mm-hmm. you have to select each individual right. candidate um so that's our that's our plug for that so you uh you're from a, a, a somewhat ag friendly district did you have right. a history in that as well yourself I do, yeah i grew up on a farm in madison county and so I and so a lot of those people know me as uh, through my grandparents who have passed away or my parents who are still living and farming um, in the same area where I grew up. So, yeah, so grew up with that. My dad worked at General Motors and retired from there, as did my grandparents. So really came, you know, from a solid Madison County fan, family. And then in 2007, I just found a cute little house that was being flipped and moved over to Yorktown. And then I've taught at Daleville for 17 years. There you go. Cool. So yeah, the uh, I get Yorktown is just barely in Delaware County, I guess, right? But, well, I guess Daleville first, and then Yorktown. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, so what you said that you have a very it's a very strong uh, ag yes. community. Mm-hmm. So is it kind of like here the the demographics very very conservative mm-hmm. in your district? Yes, yeah, very conservative. Yeah. So every every little town and city I represent is very, very rural. I mean, like, so I have six school districts and then parts of Anderson and parts of Muncie, but not where the administration is. So the school systems are like Westdale, the Frankton of Frankton Lapel, Alexandria, Elwood, Yorktown, Daleville. So, you know, they're very rural in nature. And I, and I, I am the ranking minority member on the agriculture committee, which I love. Um, 
it gives me a positive place to put my energies because it's a very, very bipartisan um, committee. We work so well together, and then we work out the kinks and anything before it goes to a vote, and I appreciate that. Um, and, you know, I mean, the Democrats are in the super minority, so I wouldn't even necessarily have to be part of that conversation, but I am, and I am so happy for that. So um, it's it's a good testament to my roots, too, because that's where I got my work ethic, um, and that's where I feel like so many kids um, just, you know, when I go to the 4-H fair and support those kids and see, like we have our own Marley Hobbs. I've got to give her a plug from Daleville, but she's Madison County queen because she's always shown horses there for yep. years. And so when you have tremendous role models who come out and are, are showing that to other kids, it's just a tremendous legacy to pass on. Very yeah, good. Awesome. Yep. Uh, Danny and I are both former Mr. Henry County, believe it or not, Henry County 4-H. What? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had. And then we, our little sister was. Uh, she was a. She was Miss Henry, Henry County, County or an ambassador. She competed in the uh, state fair queen contest. They wow. would not let me compete in that. Yeah. <laughs> but there really is a Mr. Henry County. There is. Well, yep. Naturally. Absolutely. I, now I have learned two. There you go. I was never podcast. Mr. Henry County. Yeah, we're. Yeah, Dakota, you're slacking. The Kennedys of Henry County. <laughs> 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 so, and then Jeremiah and I are both active in 4-H currently. Uh, he's nice. on the association, and so am I. And then uh-huh. uh, I'm a horse and pony leader here in Henry County, and Jeremiah is a junior leader advisor and try to give back and help out as much as we can. And Absolutely. Enjoy the, <laughs> the same things that we were able to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. Forge has been a big part of our big part of our our background. So, uh, in Dakota's notes for us here, he said that you have authored four bills and eight resolutions, and you co-authored fourteen and, and seventeen resolutions. Mm-hmm. What tell in the three years you've been in? What what are like the the bills that you're you feel like have been most effective or the the biggest success stories? Okay, so anything to do with human trafficking. Okay, so I've jumped on a couple of those as a co-author, and that's just to like inform our law enf- enforcement official, officials about um, the signs and symptoms to look for, and um, how to protect our kids. You know, when I when I was first elected, I had. You know, you think of human trafficking, you think of a third world country, you think of somebody being kidnapped, stuck in the back of a trunk. Right. And that's not what's happening. So these kids are being groomed online. And um, I had three people who reached out to me from different parts of the district on the same subject. And so I started investigating. I just felt like it was my torch to try to carry. Um, but so basically, our young people are being recruited online because uh, young a young girl might think that she's talking to a young boy the same age, but really it's a much older um, predator. Um, and he just, you know, assumes this this position of authority and gains her trust. And then sometimes they end up, uh, these girls go missing. And sometimes it's young boys too. You know, sometimes they're picked up at local malls. I mean, we had a father and son arrested just this at the beginning of the year for trying to um, promote human trafficking in the Muncie Mall. So wow, that's horrible. Yeah, it's it's all around us, and I and you know our kids know more about technology than what we do. So to try to stay ahead of that curve is something. You know, I I try to do like a couple of uh, community meetings about it where we just push that information out, and then Representative Terry Austin, who's from Anderson, um, she and I are going to do an internet safety one coming up in the first couple of months of the new year in in Chesterfield because we share parts of Chesterfield, just to try to help help parents like just get more information so they can stay on top of that yeah, you know because you know it's just sad you know and we see missing 
missing posters of young people all over the place. I mean, it's just very frightening. And when you know, I yeah, could just you talk bring for it a up, long time. You bringing up the Muncie Mall is like that just. Yeah. You think of it. You think of stuff like that. You think of. You don't you think know, it's downtown somebody that's from your community. Chicago, no. New, New York no. or something. Right. You right. You don't think 30 minutes away from where you live. Like that's that's wild. Right. And the, and the, so the work you've done is it in penalties or is it in funds for for um, law enforcement? What what type of action have you been able to take? So this year we're trying to promote a stiffer penalty for purchasers of underage sex. Um, but in the past, when it, when I first got in, uh, Randy Truitt, who is a representative up near the West Lafayette area, um, had promoted. Um, trying to get information into the hands of law enforcement officials so they would know what to look for. Because, you know, a lot of times, you know, they might be picking up a 14-year-old for prostitution but not knowing, okay, why why are we seeing this? Why why is she in this position? And so that was a very helpful first step. And then I do a lot of work with Judge Kim Dowling from Delaware County because she was seeing a lot of this come into her courtroom. And then she started asking those questions. What What's going on here? And so then she's gone to these national conferences to bring back information to the local legislators um, just to have us go, you know, in baby steps to trying to explain what is happening and then trying to wrap ourselves around the youth. And what really happens is the kids who are in foster care who maybe never get adopted, those kids are so, so vulnerable because they might fall out of the system and kind of disappear for a while and come back. And a lot of times they end up becoming um, sucked into this life because, you know, people who are traffickers are trained to give you what you need. So like if you're interested in, um, nice clothes or having your hair done or your nails done, they're, they're going to step in and provide that. Or in some They'll reach cases, out and, and hook you, basically. Yeah, provide an education. But they also train you to recruit. And so that's why you can't keep them in a juvenile facility along with others, you know, young people because they're trained to recruit. And you have to really back them up psychologically from that, especially if they've come from nothing. You know, it it seems to them like it's a win-win to them when they're in it. But, of course, we all know our brains are not fully developed until we're 25 for a female and sometimes a little older for a male. Sorry, guys. I'm getting closer. I'll I'll be 32 this year, maybe next year, right? You're over over the curve. I think it's 27 for guys. (laughs) You've got all you're going to have, Daniel Paul. That's disappointing. That's <laughs> Cody, you've still got some, you've still got, got some hope. I've got some so, development. So yeah. far in uh, what you've been able to accomplish and what you're doing, what are you most proud of? What What are you passionate about? It, obviously, it seems like you're passionate about what you're just speaking about. And- uh-huh. So I've got to say the number one thing that I am most proud of in the three years I've been in is the constituent work. And I know people would just kind of poo-poo that and say, well, what about the stuff that goes on down in Indy? But there's nothing better than having like a veteran call and need some connection. And, and, you know, if it's state money, we can we have resources that we could deal with it through our offices in Indianapolis. But if it's a federal issue, I can't even tell you the times we reached out to Senator Donnelly's office. And I mean, sometimes within an hour, they have called that person. And gotten a waiver so that they could speak on their behalf on whatever it issue, whether it's veteran issues, uh, uh, Medicare, um, Medicaid, you know, anything to do with federal issues. And they have been Johnny on the spot. So um, and then just to be able to go around the district and I get to go visit all these places. I mean, some of them are not in my district. Like I, I got to go visit the, um, you know, the prison that we have over in Pendleton. I would have never gotten that opportunity just to walk in and say, hey, I'd like a tour. 
Um, I got to visit people's farms, riding their combines. I mean, I rode with Kay Whitehead. I, um, I've ridden uh, with Dave Howell, and uh, he showed me how all the GPS systems work on the, the combine, which my dad refuses to use. <laughs> um, and and got to go into small businesses and ask questions and take tours. And th- those are the best things because, number one, the informal conversations help me to really know how to vote. And I really know the district well. And I want people to know, oh, yeah, well, let's just call Melanie. Like today. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. At 4.15 today, I got a call from a guy who's helping me out in Indy. And he was like, hey, one of your constituents called. They said that, um, you know, the Payless store out on, in Applewood is having this pickup service, you know, where you call in. Like the you, click list thing. Yeah, yeah, click list. And that there aren't any um, handicapped parking spots left. So I thought, okay, well, I'll just pick up the phone and call the manager. And I was like, hey, we have this concern. And she was like, well, we did take two out, but we're going to relocate those. But there are still handicap accessible parking spaces by both entrances. And then we got to call that constituent back within 30 minutes. You know, so it's stuff like that that I, I love to be able to do that mm-hmm. stuff because I think it's important because people want their voice to be heard. I didn't think my voice was being heard. Right. I mean, that's that's why we elect someone like you into a position is so you can be our voice and voice our yeah, concerns and thoughts. Is there anything that you've thought, well, geez, this is kind of a, a punch in the mouth or a surprise that being in this political realm is different than what you expected? Or you thought, well, well, damn, this is not what I wanted? Well, yeah, as, as a matter of fact, um, sometimes like when it comes to education issues, mm-hmm. you know, I think we're really good at listening to the people in the larger lobby groups who have an opinion, especially like on how Indianapolis should be dealt with or Gary. Um, but our rural schools, think about our rural schools. Why do people love our rural schools? Because they're based on relationships. They're based on, you know, a lot of times a, a yeah, parent can a say, small yeah. student to student to teacher ratio. Right. Before my concert on Tuesday night, I had a parent text me, hey, what time do the kids need to be there? And I texted right back, relationship. You know, and it, it seems small, but it's really important to parents. So I know a lot of times parents will bring the kids to Delville Elementary, and they do that because they know us and they trust us with their children. And so I just I think that's so incredibly important. So I think when we go to fix these large city um, education issues, which are there, because if you look at it, your education system is a microcosm of where you live. You know, you're going to have about the same poverty rate, crime rate, and things like that. But in the rural schools, we're actually causing problems by trying to fix what we're doing in these larger cities. I almost think that we need to have maybe a separate solution for rural schools or second-class city schools. So do you think it's a it's a, a deal where if the state was less involved in, in the funding process or the, the – you know, is it better for, for you to make the decision at the at the state level to turn it to the federal level or to say, hey, school boards, go ahead and handle it? And then if you fail, like what happened, I know we can talk about yeah. Muncie in a minute, but yeah. and there's Muncie Central and the issues they have. But if they, you know, if the school boards fail or it doesn't work, mm-hmm. then maybe the state gets involved. Is yeah. that? I, I'm a huge proponent of local control because I think that's why you elect the school board members and that's why they hire the superintendent. They like that person's vision. They keep that person on or they let him, he or she go because of the vision. But that the superintendents have very little say, as do the building, the building principals let alone the teachers. I mean, just very little say on how the curriculum's being driven. You know, I think, you know, we've we've cut back on recess. We have um, this lengthy time where they have to be engaged in reading. And it's not, I mean, w- seriously, we're supposed to have kids read for 90 minutes. We don't even have politicians who can pay attention for 90 minutes, really. 
and you're expecting a five-year-old. Like I, when I have kindergartners come in on my first day and I have them for 45 minutes, I know I have to have like about eight different, eight different activities. I, and then by the time the first semester is over, it can go down to about four or five. But I know that because of my experience. <laughs> We're expecting them to do these long, long um, uh, times of just intense study, and their brains are just not ready for it. Where does that thought process come from? Like, I, I have a hard time understanding why. Like, I know that I can't sit still for 10 minutes at a time. Why? Yeah. That's why we put you at the end in case you exactly. have to get away. Yeah, I might have to do some stretches. But why does right. that not compute for other people? So, I mean, from what I've heard, that they a, a lot of people involved in this movement toured around the country and found some of the best programs that worked. And they said they didn't go by how they felt. They went by data and what it was showing. But I think if you would check into um, just any school system who has a success and see what those successes are, I don't think it would be the same thing that we're coming up with down in Indianapolis. Now, I'm also not saying that everything we're doing is wrong. That's I'm just saying that that's the one area where we have like a reform movement and then we have the traditional movement, but we're not looking for anything to compromise. And I think if we if those two pillars would meet in the middle a little bit, that we would find an answer that was better for kids. Because right now I think we're more beholden to testing companies than we are to our children. Should some of these school districts – that are struggling that some of the rural districts be looking at consolidation or is it just they just need more tools in the bag more clubs in the golf bag kind of a deal to be able to to solve their issues or do they just need less oversight coming from the state house and more yeah. just focus on letting the school board make the decision yeah. that's right for the school i think a combination of all that i think less oversight's great local control is great but also just like it, so school choice is here to stay we're not going to rewind that we're not going to pull the train back in the station on that i mean i know some people just vehemently disagree with that but um, but once it's here, then let the school corporations compete. You know, I mean, if it, if their big thing is they have a tremendous special needs program, let them promote that. You know, if it's athletics, let them promote that. But right now we're so prescribed on what we have to do that we all end up looking the same. Yeah. And we're then we're just picked because of our geographic location. You and know, it, it seems like that's the goal. And it and a lot of times it it's almost like this is where. Um, the the conservative you know that's where they get off track right so you have you have a lot of republicans in office that really push for this universal mm -hmm. type legislation for school systems and a lot of times it's people like glenda ritz that come in and try to break that up which uh typically the conservative will you know they'll campaign on smaller government mm -hmm. things like that mm -hmm. but it seems with education they're the exact opposite mm -hmm. and well the, the tricky thing too is a lot of times with our education bills we might have seven eight nine ten different ideas in one bill called various education matters whereas if it goes through ag we might be talking about chicken safety or grain indemnity fund you know yeah um and that's, that makes it confusing for the people on the caucus who are not on the committee, too. You know, because they're like, because if you vote in something good like mentor teachers, then what are you voting in with that bill? Right. So you have to, and that's the tricky part. I think it should be divided out a little bit more. Yeah. The, uh, so with the ag issues, do you deal, this is just, this is a Henry County question. So I'm going to ask this. Yeah. It, do you deal with, uh, <laughs> we got to, do you deal with German shepherds? <laughs> Do you deal with I industrial wind farms at all on the ag side, or is it what? Uh, so we because that that's been a big hot button issue here, where we've got a lot of 
there's people on both sides of it. It's kind of become our local uh-huh. civil war, but um, at the state level, do you in, have any involvement with that? Or we the, have not thus far. Yeah. That's interesting, though, because we have some up in Alexandria and then further beyond my district into Tipton. Right. Um, but no, we have not dealt with that at the state level. Okay. Maybe before me. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, it's It seems like it's handled county by county. Yes. Uh, and it's, I think it's, it is. You know, mm-hmm. it's a... Every county has their own permitting process mm-hmm. and setbacks, mm-hmm. and I'm just curious if, if, if you've mm-hmm. seen anything come through on the state level yet. It is interesting because I did go up and tour a gentleman who let them come in on his farm yep. and how he gets paid for the right-of-way, and um, it's it's interesting. He thought it was a win-win for him. Obviously, not everybody. Right. No, th- we've had concerns at here with neighbors, neighbors mm-hmm. being concerned about you know distances mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Resale value of homes, sure. and it's been a it's been a long drawn out process here in the last couple of years. And to this point, they haven't had any constructed. They've had a couple of them have been permitted, and the abatements have gone away. And it's 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 been a long long process. Uh, we had a, a big embargo on uh, on confined animal uh, on feeding operations uh-huh. as well, and I think the state had some mm-hmm. involvement with that as mm-hmm. over the years, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess would be another ag issue. Yeah, uh, we did we did a, a comprehensive study, which I would so appreciated. Um, I think it was. A year ago, a year ago, March or April, and Purdue released the report to us in that summer study committee because we really didn't know because every county has has different uh, ordinances for that. Right. And so that was very interesting to try to to try to ascertain like, okay, if somebody's trying to come in and do that, where's the best place for it when we don't we didn't have all of that data. So that's been very helpful. Okay. And this, actually, Senator Jean Lysings was a fundamental part of that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I know she's on the Senate Ag Committee as well. She is, comes yes. From, comes from mm-hmm. the, the medical and the, the ag background. She represents us here. She's my state senator. Uh, and I think uh, I think we're about the very furthest northern part of her district. Mm-hmm. I, she has she covers so much ground yes, visiting does. visiting people because it, she's she's in Henry County all the time, but she lives uh-huh. south of Greensburg. It's an hour and a half to get here, so it's a it's a <laughs> when you guys get to draw districts again. It's I know mercy mercy <laughs> for some of you. <laughs> I know she and I talk about that because I think we both share that it's so important to be out in the district and be seen. You know, I mean. I, it's your job to kind of be a commercial and a snapshot for what's going on in your community. Well, very good. So I want to take a little bit of time and talk about uh, we. There's an article that came out in the Indianapolis Star, kind of previewing what they expect the biggest issues mm-hmm. to be coming into this uh, into this cycle. Uh, so there's three that we want to try to uh, try to talk about. Uh, we want to talk about cold beer and Sunday sales, which I know has had a sum, uh, I don't know what you guys call it. Is the summer studies com- committee or a? Uh, there's been an off cycle committee that's been looking into it. It's a summer study committee that happens in October. That, that goes all the way into yeah. the yeah. <laughs> that goes all the way into the fall. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, then I want to talk. We're going to talk a little bit about the CBD oil thing because uh-huh. that's become a big hot button issue. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think concealed carry got agreed mm-hmm. to go to a summer study committee. So I want to kind of spend a little bit of time on that as well. Uh, but on this, I guess the the alcohol thing. There's almost two different sides or two mm-hmm. different issues. There's Sunday sales, and then there's also cold beer. Cold beer mm-hmm. temperature. Mm-hmm. So what? Help us understand where that's at in the process. If there's a, if you're expecting a bill, if you even know at this point what's going to come at you, or do you find out when bills are filed? You've had an organization day, I guess. So, so now you've got, you know, some of what's coming. Right. And we know a lot of what's coming ba- is based on what the summer study committees are. So obviously this was picked up in summer study committee. And I, th- I don't know that they had any real s- substantial conclusions at the end, which sometimes we don't right. at the end. Um, 
So I'm not sure how much momentum it will get, especially if we're just 10 short weeks in. Um, but I will say that I've, I find this very interesting for be, representing a rural, very rural district. I've always taken the stand that our small businesses are what comprise our small cities and towns and they're the backbone of what happens. Right. So that's why I've always been really protective of, uh, you know, like our small package liquor stores because they're part of that. Um, and it's, I mean, I've always found it would be tricky to compete with a big box store on that issue, you know, or even a convenience store. Cause you think people are in and out on that all the time. Um, but you know, I just think from a rule standpoint, when you're talking about possibly having one of your small businesses go by the wayside because these two different philosophies are meeting and trying to find some sort of compromise, um, that it could, it could hurt your local, uh, economic development as well. So that's when you look at it as a, as a very much an individual district representative and yes. you're, and you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're considering that, that side. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, so that's is that the issue for Sunday and for temperature, or is that the temperature side that you that you would say you fall on that side of it? Okay, so that's just on the Sunday issue side. Now we're trying. Now they're taking us into the temperature side, which almost got put in as an amendment last session, and then it got dropped at the last minute. So I think that's why it was discussed more in the summer. So I'm really not sure where that one is going to be as far as as temperature is concerned. Because I mean, think about it. I mean. We probably all go to a convenience store once a day, I would say. I oh, mean, yeah. you're really going to change. I mean, if that, if that changes, we. Your puppy. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I can hear it. so cute. Yes. But it will really change the, the foundation of what we know. I mean, as, as far as like alcohol sells. So, I mean, I think we really need to think long and hard about the consequences. So is that the, the thought process between most of the people that, sit in a position like you is how it'll affect the local community and the businesses opposed to, I mean, cause it's, it's not wrong to buy alcohol on a, right. on a Sunday. It's not wrong to buy a cold beer on a Sunday, but it's just thought as, you know, we are trying to save jobs and keep this community whole. I would say that's my, my view as I don't know why I've just latched onto that just from the get go because, well, because I've seen so many of our smaller cities and towns kind of struggle to keep the businesses intact. Right. And when they've gone away, they've tried to like rebuild it like Alexandria is doing now. So I wouldn't say most people think like this. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I just think it's particular to me because of the district I represent. Well, when anyone's talked to me about the fact that you can't buy a car on a Sunday right. or uh, you can't buy alcohol on a Sunday unless it's a brewery or, you know, you, you go and purchase it at a restaurant. I, I just claim that it's part of Indiana's charm. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, you, there's no way to really explain it or yeah. give reasoning for it. It's just mm-hmm. the way it is. It doesn't make sense. It's not, it's not bad necessarily, but it, it's also hard mm-hmm. to wrap your head around it. Well, it's kind of annoying sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> but, but you can just buy more alcohol on Saturday if yeah. you want to. Right. It's not. Now, there are some members of the General Assembly who are just have very conservative beliefs about alcohol. Like it shouldn't be purchased on a Sunday. I mean, that's a day safe for family. Or if there's been alcoholism in the family, that that's a one day break that the kids get. So, I mean, there are a few who are of the mindset of that. That's how they make the decision on that. And then others, you know, go with 
with one lobby group or another. Right. Um, yeah, from our side, I mean, obviously, we, we, we all tend to lean pretty libertarian on our side. So it's, you know, if you if a business wants to make the decision to be open on a Sunday, it's a product that's legal six days a week. Why mm-hmm. why are we going to prohibit that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I was Rex Bell's campaign manager. He was our candidate for mm-hmm. governor last time. Sure. So in the Evansville debate, he had the, the, the line that, you know, you could have a guy that's selling beer in his store that's warm on a January day. His furnace goes out, and all of a sudden he's breaking the law when his furnace breaks, and it's 35 degrees in the store, mm-hmm. and he's selling cold beer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's – I don't know. It just yeah. seems to the, the line anything that's legal on a Saturday should be legal on a Sunday. <laughs> that's true. That's <laughs> what he said. That's true. The uh, – I don't know. It's just – it's frustrating for, looking mm-hmm. from the outside. And I know, I know that – the way that it's set up, a lot of these businesses are designed and you have licenses or you have – you've had to invest in into that business model. Mm-hmm. So I think – and I think that's a portion of what some of the mm-hmm. representatives have been cognizant of is that you have a small business owners that right. this is their livelihood. Right. Right. And a lot of those small business owners say that if, if Sunday sales and cold beer sales were to happen, then it would make their very costly uh, alcohol and liquor licenses to just be – Useless. Mm-hmm. Like it wouldn't matter at that point mm-hmm. is what they is the the mm-hmm. thought process behind it. And I can see that side. I just don't necessarily agree with it. Yeah. Plus, plus the competing with isn't Sunday like the second biggest shopping day of the yeah, year? Yeah. So it's like it's whenever have, most Americans go out uh, and do their grocery mm-hmm. shopping. So it's going to be convenient. Yeah. It's going to be more convenient to whenever you're at Kroger to do mm-hmm. your grocery shopping to pick up a, a six pack of beer than going to the the mm-hmm. liquor store sometime during the week. Mm-hmm. Did you know before uh, last year that uh, that the reason that a grocery store can sell spirits is because they have a pharmacy? I did. I learned that yeah. since I've well, been down in Indianapolis. Once, yeah. once Marsh w- sold their stuff, that's I think that when everybody mm-hmm. became un- put on everybody's radar. But the way we have it set up in Indiana is that you a pharmacy can sell alcohol. Mm-hmm. So when Marsh sold their pharmacy business before they sold the grocery stores, mm-hmm. they sold it to CVS, mm-hmm. and then they immediately had a fire sale, and everybody went out and bought cheap liquor. Yeah, I had no idea that was even a thing. Like it, I mean, apparently, obviously, the people at Marsh didn't even realize that was the thing, and they had to do the fire sale because they're like, "Oh crap, we got to get rid of this." <laughs> and, and then the gentleman that owns Rickers, the way that he mm-hmm. he was yeah. selling cold cold beer and spirits is pretty comical as well because he had it he has a restaurant he has a restaurant Mm -hmm. yeah so but it does surprise me or confuse me a bit on how um the ciders and whatnot can be sold cold Mm because you go to the local kroger and you can Mm -hmm. buy a cold six pack of cider but not beer but it's sitting right next to each other Mm -hmm. you end up getting elected and all of these things become your problem i guess i know (laughs) i know know. i've learned more about alcohol than what i ever learned in college Planning, planning a wedding. We can I, talk I, about your college no. life, though. Planning, planning a wedding. I've learned more about uh, bathrooms and tent rentals in the last two weeks than mm-hmm. I have uh, than I ever thought I would know in my life. So I, I empathize, uh, but I'm glad you're getting educated on mm-hmm. it all. Um, the other, the, the next major issue that I had that I wanted to ask about. Um, Speaking of college, yeah, no, yeah. no, it was this is uh, CBD oil. Mm-hmm. So there was a, a just a, and I don't know where you're at on. Yeah. Uh, on on the cannabis issue, on CBD, on recreational, or on medicinal mm-hmm. marijuana. Uh, so we can, I guess, you can share some of that as well. But there was a tiny baby step forward made mm-hmm. in the long session last time, mm-hmm. where if you, and I'll try to get this right, as I understand it, if you can acquire CBD oil, mm-hmm. you ha- can register with the state if you have uh, an epilepsy patient mm-hmm. in your family, mm-hmm. and then you can get a permit to be able to use that mm-hmm. for your. Children, mm-hmm. is that right? Yeah, and then the attorney general came down with a little bit more, cons- well, yeah, a much more conservative ruling. Right. I, know, I think that 
But see, people had been buying CBD oil in the state of Indiana for a long time right. before this legislation mm-hmm. came out. I remember going to the health food store in Muncie um, whenever I was like 15 years old with my mom, and it had it had like a ba- there was a bag of chips that had a big pot leaf on them, and they were potato chips infused with CBD oil. Mm-hmm. That was. You know, that was that made six them healthy, years right? ago. Yeah, they were healthy mm-hmm. potato chips at a health food store. And, like, I've always just remembered that because it was a bag of potato chips with a pot leaf on it. And so then whenever all this came out, and then all of a sudden, um, Curtis Hill declared that the CBD oil is a derivative of marijuana, which is a Schedule One drug. Therefore, CBD oil is a Schedule One drug. So... I did a little bit more research into this, and this, I guess, isn't the first time that Excise had to crack down on this, on CBD oil, which I had no idea of. I'd never seen anything about it before, but I guess that um, Mitch Daniels actually um, pulled CBD oil off shelves at one point as well. And then after I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I I had no idea. I saw Mm -hmm. the Indie Star article today about it, researching this topic. And uh, then... uh, after this legislation was passed, um, a lot of retailers had just put had pulled their CBD oil off the shelves and like put it in stock because you know this is hundreds of dollars worth of merchandise that they w- would have had to throw away, and then um, they just kept it, I guess. So then they all put it back. They yeah, had it in their store storerooms. Yeah, they just had it in their storerooms, and then they put it back on the shelves, and now they are having to take it back off again, which is wild. Um, like a wild roller coaster if you are one of those retailers here in Indiana for a product that is basically like an essential oil. Mm-hmm. You know, like it absolutely makes no sense because um, as I have here on the show notes, to be legal, uh, to be actual medicinal quality CBD oil it can't have less than, actually I don't think it's on here, but less than equal to or less than 0.3% of THC, which is the psychoactive drug mm-hmm. in marijuana. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it it just it seems crazy to me. So I was on that summer study committee as well because they would move it to the Ag Committee. And because so, it was hemp. Right, yeah, okay. right. So Senator Lysine headed up that committee when we did a joint summer study committee, and we saw some of those children come in who were affected by epilepsy. So just to... Just to hear the emotion in the parents' voice about basically, I've tried everything with my child. My child has to wear a helmet. My child has epileptic seizures and passes out on the floor, like flat down on his or her face. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it's just very convincing. I yeah, mean, we, and, you we know, left if you that see committee a person have a seizure, it's, yeah. it's horrible. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a series on We Are Libertarians on our, on our syndicator. Uh, so if you go to wearelibertarians.com and you go to the cost – um, Chris Spangle uh, had an interview with uh, with a lady and her, her daughter named Addie. Uh, it's probably an hour and a half long, explaining th- her her epilepsy, mm-hmm. the treatment she would receive, and they would go to Colorado mm-hmm. to do the treatment, sure. and they're literally ready to leave the state and move out mm-hmm. of the state. And I know a lot of families have been there, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you're you know if you're looking at doing something that's effective for your child mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. moving, you're going to say, sorry, right. I'm out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. go somewhere that I can do, mm-hmm. you know, I can take care of my kid. And, and, you know, to me, if I'm a legislator and I run on the promise of wanting to do what's best mm-hmm. for my constituents, why wouldn't I want mm-hmm. the best treatment available for a child or a person that is, is suffering through epilepsy mm-hmm. at, at their disposal right. readily right. and cheaply? Right. And why, 
And why do we want to get in between like a doctor's recommendation with a patient? Why are yeah. we stepping into that? Um, yeah, that that was an easy sell for us. As a matter of fact, I think when it, when the bill went before the house, I think it was unanimous, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe yeah, that one was. was. Unanimous. Yeah, yeah. Because by that time, there was enough of an appetite for it that we wanted to be able to help kids. Um, now, I I'm I'm surprised by the attorney general's stance on this quite frankly yeah. i just i i thought it was especially with the uh with him claiming that it's still a schedule one substance yeah, you I, know that's that's heroin yeah so what's the next step uh, is this i know that like state representative lucas is somebody that i've, I've followed for quite uh-huh. a while i met him in 2012 when he was running he mm-hmm. was down in north vernon giving a speech and i was with rex bell's candidate uh, campaign for governor at the time or for congress at the time uh, and I met Jim and kind of hit it off and I've stayed in touch. And I know mm-hmm. this has been an issue that he's been working on. And I know Senator Tallian has been mm-hmm. working on this as well on the not the recreational side, but the medical side of, mm-hmm. of cannabis. Mm-hmm. Is this is this all going to get wrapped in together or is there going to be an adjustment where we say, no, this is, you know, we specifically say that CBD oil is unregulated or is it going to be, um, you know, up to a certain value, and mm-hmm. you have to register with the state. What's what's the solution you're expecting? Yeah, I don't think we're going to wrap medical marijuana into that at all. I think we're going to keep that very a very separate issue. But I do think the legislature legislature will have to sort that out because there's a clear discrepancy between what we thought we passed and then how it's being interpreted. So yes, right. I definitely look for us to be sorting that out immediately. Okay. So is it looked at as being something? So on a state level, is just being a slippery slope, you think, where they don't know where to cut hard lines versus, like, a gray area, and they're right. worried about getting it started? Right. Well, I, I'm sure that, on top of the opioid, you know, issue, sure. and I'm, I'm sure they're like, okay, are we going to start enabling that? Like, where, where's the line there? But, you know, for CBD oil, that's an easy line for me. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's very clear we're not, that's, that's we're not doing thing. anything I mean, wrong. No, no, we're yeah. not. And it, we have a lot of people who believe in essential oils and believe in like holistic medicine and things. Go to like any that. church and you'll find a group of ladies sitting there that, right. that sell it. You know, or like, or men, yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, in my experience with my my mother and two grandmothers, they sell essential oils. Mm-hmm. They're dealers, essential oil yeah, dealers, essential oil dealers in, in the Just fourth row of the Baptist church. CBD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I don't. I don't think they'll ever like cross those two at all is it ever comical to just look back and see what it is that is being discussed and just think of it it seems so clear and cut or juvenile but we're making such Mm -hmm. a a pissing match over Mm -hmm. it that it it seems like it's just common sense Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. it doesn't need to be as drawn out and discussed Mm -hmm. as much as it is how do you manage that on a personal level and not just screaming make my head spin um (laughs) just out of curiosity because i have very low patience yeah so sometimes i just have to vent to some people who i'm close with just to say really what just happened what just happened there like especially with like the whole religious freedom thing my first session (laughs) what just happened you did i get myself into you right you've helped well not you you were not a part of it but the legislature helped fu- uh, found the first per- Church of Cannabis over that. So, <laughs> which is now back in the news again. Which is Bill Levin finds yeah. his news yeah. very I, uh, easily. My wife Audrey, uh, whenever she was at the University of Indianapolis, actually went to the Church of Cannabis one time, and uh, she said it was a wild ride. <laughs> like they went in there, and uh, Bill Levin is called the Grand Poobah. That's that's, that's episode one. That story is on episode one of the Boss Hog Liberty is podcast. It? Yeah, is it episode one? I believe it is. The oh, very my. first one. You can go back and listen to that one very early on. 
Yeah. It seems a long time ago. <laughs> been a lot of yeah. 35 episodes in. So you are listening to the Boss Hog Liberty Podcast on the We Are Libertarians Network. It's Jeremiah Morrill and Dakota Davis. Danny Morrill's our newly minted co-host over Hey-o. there. Hey-o. And uh, State Representative Melanie Wright is with us as well. And we're, we're discussing the, uh, the upcoming uh, General Assembly. Uh, and we've talked about I'd like a, to point a out of, how good of a job Danny's doing. He's amazing. He's doing a great job. His first time as a host. I've and he's barely awesome. been hitting on her. <laughs> <laughs> Your girlfriend's in the other room, sir. <laughs> She's keeping the puppy occupied. <laughs> She's she trying trouble. to. The German Shepherd scared her off. <laughs> <laughs> you got a good defense dog. Yeah. So, what do you think so far? Do you enjoy this? Are yeah, you comfortable? I do. I do. Because I have, um, I always am a helper. You know, I just want to help people. So this just gives me just a, a big territory to do that in. And that's, yeah, sure. I love that. So I love to be able to go just to every function I can. And um, I've really tried to change the message. You know, we get to send out so many flyers um, each session, you know, about what the new laws are, what community meetings we are having. But um, really try to switch the message to if you have something you want me to attend, here's our, here's the contact information. I really try to connect with people on my regular Facebook page um, so that they can just message me. I've put my cell phone number out on my literature before. It's never been abused. So that's that's the thing where I get to meet all these exciting people. And, and they feel just as strongly as what as what I just at one time felt about education, and now it's expanded so much more. But right. they have their own issues, and the least I can do is take the time to listen to them as I wanted to be. Yeah, Aaron to. Dickin is watching right now, and I love Aaron. he said that Melanie is a great representative and told us to be nice to you. Yeah, yeah, Danny. <laughs> well, you know, Aaron's fine, but he just needs more hair. <laughs> so, from your standpoint, you come from an educational background. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you're like real fired up about, and you want to try to make some? some more changes in, on a, a state level? Yes. Like as far as education? Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> I have requested that we do a study that looks at how, since we've implemented property tax caps, which we've never really, I mean, I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just saying we've not really studied that since it's been um, part, you know, part of our law um, and how that and the complexity formula on the, on the, the complexity index on the school funding formula, which is the it's the part of the index that accounts for poverty. And we tweaked it a couple of years ago because some of the wealthier schools were not getting as much per student as what some of the the less wealthier schools were. So they tried to tweak it. But when you tweak that, you're still I right. mean, you still have unequal poverty in different parts of the state. Yeah, you're not. Yeah. Doing as much as what they thought it would. Right. And then the school choice with the kids being able to move. Because in a small school system, if a kid, let's say a kid has $5,000. Attached 20, Right. 2500 a semester. All right. You have seven kids walk out of your small rural school at Christmas that's, that's time. That's a teacher. Yeah. That's a that's a teacher's contract. They're the half a teacher's contract. Yeah. I've always know? thought that that might not affect rural uh, community schools as negatively as that. I've mm-hmm. always thought that... Because, I mean, I graduated from tri-high, so, yeah. you know, 80 people in my graduating class, and that was the largest mm-hmm. class they'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. So, I, in, during my, like, junior and senior year, we saw a large influx of people coming from, like, uh, Newcastle schools because of what we talked about earlier right. with the student and teacher ratio. Mm-hmm. I always thought that that would hurt bigger schools and benefit our smaller mm-hmm. community schools. I mean, hurting a school is still hurting a school, but... Right. Right. It ha- I mean, you know, Daleville's benefiting and we're a small school. 
but it's at the expense of Anderson and, right. you know. I know, I, I was talking to Clay Morgan, our, one of our co-hosts, uh, yesterday in his barbershop, and his so his kids are now going to Blue River Valley. He lives in the Newcastle School District, and Blue River sends a school bus to one of the local grocery stores to pick up kids every day that leave leave the Newcastle District and mm-hmm. they go up to Blue River. Um which is just amazing to me. You've got that competition going on, but it's yes. a, you have you've got enough students going that it's worth their time to send a bus down mm-hmm. every day. And Indiana has had this longer than what um, than what the conversation really blew up with Betsy DeVoe. Uh, right, right. So here's what I had heard. So after I lost the 2012 election, I couldn't sleep, so I would just incessantly research. At I night. slept really good after I lost in 2012. <laughs> Not me. I was just like, what could I have done better? Um, and so I found that they try to come in and, and you know, work with Congress and the United States Senate. And when they weren't making any headway, they started focusing on the state general assemblies. And so that's why you'll see a lot of very similar legislation, especially when it comes to education reform, right to work, and things like that, right. that simultaneously hit different state legislatures. Yeah. And we were just ripe for the picking at that time. Yeah, I was, I was a, a hard – I was in the uh, uh, electrician's union whenever right to work first happened. Uh, so that was like a big deal. I can really – That was like <laughs> – that, that was like uh, – the sky is falling moment for mm-hmm. construction unions, especially with a uh, prevailing wage and things. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, um, it also, it, it also enabled like for, for our union, um, if you hadn't paid your dues in so many months, you weren't a member anymore, right? We mm-hmm. don't protect you anymore. And, uh, what people don't realize is that right to work got rid of that. Mm-hmm. So you can still be a union member and still get all the protections of the union but you don't pay any of the dues and become part of the the collective. Uh, you get the benefit the without union. the expense. Yeah, so that I mean, that was a that was something that a lot of people didn't realize about that because you know being in our community, anything that the Republicans and Mike Pence did was uh, was golden. They mm-hmm. you know they they pooped rainbows and ne- nothing they ever did was wrong. So it was it was hard to like bring that to light. Mm-hmm. So. So what was tricky in teaching is people would inch up the salary schedule, and basically it would be just enough to cover the insurance increase that inevitably came. We were told about it in November, and it would hit in January. So, yeah. So it was like it was not – it just canceled each other out, but you were still kind of moving up the ladder. But that's all gone. So the final issue that I wanted to talk about that's that I think is going to be coming through the General Assembly is the concealed carry. Uh, that was uh, that was introduced by the libertarian hero. Yes, oh. <laughs> by Representative Lucas. So I've got my little <laughs> lifetime permit card, uh, and when I got it probably six or seven years ago, I had to go to the city police department, fill out a te- fill out a ten card. They, they, Sheriff's. No, it depends upon where you live. So at the time, I lived within city limits. So I, I went to the sheriff's department and said, Jeremiah, you can't be here. You have to go to the city police department. So I actually visited both. But uh, the police department. You're extra qualified then. Yeah, I am. <laughs> no, they just said, you can't. You don't. Re- you really don't want to hang out here, sir. You can leave now. Uh, so they, they took a 10 card from mm-hmm. me. And I filled out an application, sent it to the state police, mm-hmm. and I got my lifetime carry permit. Mm-hmm. So I paid $135 to, mm-hmm. to get my constitutional right to carry my gun. Mm-hmm. So but, this bill, as I understand it, would be, hey, we're just going to issue them, to any, or you don't need it at all. We're mm-hmm. going to eliminate this licensing requirement. Yeah. Um, the flip side of that is 
And I had a preliminary conversation with, about this with Danny this week. Well, and I'm I'm very pro Second Amendment. But right. We actually differ on this a right. fair amount. I'm more on the left side of things. Than you well, you, you you think we should have the process. You should you think we should have this continue to keep what we have. Um, or have training, which we don't have any training mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, so if you I, want it, you, you can have I, a gun. You don't. You just all you have to do is be able to suck air, and you're good. And not years, have a felony. Yeah, years and years. It was part of your schooling, even through the public schooling, that you would have shooting sports, and you would at least understand the processes on how to load, handle, and fire a respect firearm. Respect Exactly. Most and, of all, not just loading and firing, but the respect that comes. With yeah, carrying a, a lot of what would go through like a hundred. Hunter education course, right? Mm-hmm. And that was just through the school system, which was was great. I, I I understand how that's separated, and it's probably really hard to introduce that again into our school system. Mm-hmm. For me, it's very hard to just say, okay, you don't have a felony, you have a pulse, you get to carry a gun. Now, I do believe that you should have the right to own one in your household. But just to say you can kind of willy-nilly have it in your car, have it on your person, but have no – Yeah, but does the does the process that we have now with a concealed carry permit, how does – it doesn't really differ from the process that you go through whenever you go and purchase a gun, which I think is Representative Lucas's entire point here. Um, is that whenever you whenever you go and you you buy a firearm? So I went out and bought a a Ruger LCP this year, a little small handgun that I can carry in my back pocket. Nobody knows I have it, right? So I go and I buy this firearm. I have to go through the the background check process, right? I Which have, is what? Uh, you have to fill out the the big form. Which is you claiming you're not crazy. And you don't have a felony, right? That's but they also they run, but they run you through a federal and a state uh, documented background check. So mm-hmm. if they know that I have, uh, if okay, so say that I I did something and all of a sudden I got a court ordered like one session psychology treatment or a visit to a psychiatrist, um, I'm turned down to carry a weapon, or take my father for example. Whenever he was 19 years old, him and his friend stole. Um, 50 cartons of cigarettes from a gas station, and now he's never allowed to carry a firearm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can't buy the firearm, and basically whenever you go and you get your concealed carry, you're paying a bunch of money to get a card and for them to run a background check and take your fingerprints. What's the, what's the difference there? Like, it, there is nothing. There is no difference. I can I can see the... I could see the um, the tension, and I could see the resistance. It would make more sense to me if there was more to getting a concealed carry permit. But we just don't have that. We don't have, like, the education. We don't have the training the training requirements or anything like that. It, it's literally the background check, and they take your fingerprints. So I, so we've, we've debated this. I want to hear from Melanie, I guess, a little bit on it. And if, this is, if you think there are changes coming at all, if, if this is, if this has got any chance of going anywhere or if it's just uh, everybody having an opinion, but it's going to be status quo. Yeah, I think it's going to be that because I, it's, it's so controversial. It's a short session. I just don't, I don't think, no, I, I think that this came out of, uh, just wanting to look at the issue more and then it got studied in the summer and I just don't think it's going to have any, any legs on it. I really don't. Right. Okay. You know, I, um, it's interesting, you know, being in a rural district where 
a lot of times uh, kids go out and hunt with their dads. I mean, it's all over Facebook this fall. I mean, I had a second grader who said, yeah, my dad and I just went out deer hunting. So, um, you know, to be able to look at it from that point of view, that scope just makes it, okay, these, these are people who hunt and they maybe target shoot on Thanksgiving, you know? Yeah. It's not the same with every district, yeah, and, obviously. And, and, right. And that's, and that's what makes it such a volatile. Especially in a state like yes, Indiana. Yes. You know, these Midwestern states mm-hmm. where it's so rural, and then we have places like Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And then we're attached to Gary. Yeah. Right. You know, it, it, it's so hard right. to paint with the same brush. Right. right. It comes to an education level mm-hmm. and trying to, mm-hmm. I guess, educate people to the best of our mm-hmm. abilities. and. Were you, yeah. Now I've got to say, like I, I have a carry permit, and but it, it didn't bother me to go get fingerprinted. Right, right, yeah, never I bothered mean, like, me either. It doesn't. Bo- that part doesn't bother me. It's the, this is and this is this is the this is where I agreed with Jim. It's the licensing of a right and and paying money to have a right, right. that you have, yeah. which he's very vocal about. Right, that. and that yeah. was and that was the, right. the you know he definitely got some hay out of the. Um, the licensing of the media is where you know I'm a media right, person right. now apparently, so I would have to pay you know, mm-hmm. pay, pay a pay a fee to the state and go through a mm-hmm. background process and be approved by the state police or somebody to be uh, to be mm-hmm. able to have a podcast or to, it, and it's the same that same logical application is I mm-hmm. think what what has a number of people frustrated about mm-hmm. about having yeah. to have a, a you but know, then on the flip to, side to your, your podcast isn't going to kill someone. With the movement of your mm. finger, I hope not. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, I can see it. I see it from both sides, definitely. Mm-hmm. For me, I will. I mean, anytime I go out to the bar, I carry I carry a gun with me. Um, that's. I mean, that's just our our culture in the place that we live in Newcastle and Henry County. Everybody's got a gun, right? We everybody goes out hunting. Like I, I went out into the woods for the first time with my dad to hunt. Whenever I was six years old, mm-hmm. like that's part of my culture. That's how I was raised. But I can definitely understand the flip side from places like Gary, um, Indianapolis, which for the seventh year in a row broke records mm-hmm. for the murder mm-hmm. rate. Like I, I understand the the hesitation on um, on this uh, concealed carry reform, mm-hmm. and I I definitely understand it. But I can see it from both sides. Well, and I think. You know, an interesting perspective I have. So I have 20 different elementary classes. I have to teach them all how to hide for an intruder, as do the other specials teachers, as do their regular general education teacher. So, but does this? But and I know this, that's kind of trading on it, right? No, yeah, I, I understand that. And I, sometimes I, that all gets thrown together, right? And and the lack of mental health resources gets thrown on top of that. The opioid right. crisis, and, that, and then that's when we have trouble like picking all of this stuff apart. That, when it that comes I to think is like the this. biggest thing. Whenever we talk about gun control, we talk about the guns, right? We mm-hmm. talk about the tool, but we don't talk about um, whenever you whenever you lay the graphs on top of each other of violent of violent mm-hmm. crime acts. Versus whenever we started cutting funding for um, mental institutions, mm-hmm. right? Because it's a direct correlation, okay? It, I mean, whenever you put it on a graph, you can literally see mm-hmm. it. Whenever the, whenever the funding goes down, the violent crime numbers mm-hmm. go up. We replaced our mental hospital in Newcastle with, a, with the GEO prison. Oh really? Yeah, the site of, of the state of the state prison. That's uh-huh. that's <laughs> the, the, the GEO prison is is our formal mental hospital. Hmm. 
So that's that's the way that we've shifted mm-hmm. in public policy. And that's I was a child when I was a mental hospital. Mm-hmm. Dakota was not even awake uh-huh. or alert at that point. Nope. Um, but I it, was that's, there. Yeah, Danny. We used to, it used so. to be a cut through back from where we grew up. We yeah. used to drive through there. It was the, the way to three. Cut off the entire – when they put a prison there, you, all of a sudden you've got a lot less county roads you can drive mm-hmm. through. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's mm-hmm. uh, uh, the mental health thing. I will agree mm-hmm. completely that we've – you know, I don't know how we got there or when it happened. Mm-hmm. If it was during Evan Bayh's time or Frank Bannon's time or where – You named where two this, Democrats there. Well, they were governor. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> it's been a while. It's unfair. But, but that's the era that that changed, mm-hmm. uh, in, at least in my memory. It, when I first became aware, Evan Bayh was governor of Indiana. So I've, I've got a memory from him to now. Um, I definitely don't remember Evan By being governor of Indiana. Well, I'm year 21. Congratulations <laughs> again. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, I, I guess at, at this point, final thoughts or what I, I guess we're probably at that point of the show. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about that you're introducing or, uh, you know, that you think is coming in this session that we've skipped or forgotten? Um, oh, no, I think you've got the three hot topics for okay. sure. It'll be interesting to see how those pan out. And, um, you know, I'm just really keep, I want to keep working away for kids, especially when it comes to human trafficking and when it comes to funding for their education. If people want to learn about uh, you, reach out to you, get in touch, mm-hmm. what's the best way to, to do that? So the best way is on my personal Facebook page, which is just Melanie Wright. Um, I also have a political page, but I just pull that up during um, campaign season. And I, I have a Twitter account. I'm not I'm much better on Facebook than I am on yeah. Twitter, but I do have a Twitter account. How many characters do you have on Twitter? Are you still at 140, or did you get bumped up to the, no, the 280? I, no, I don't even use what I have now, so I'm okay. sure I didn't get bumped up. Do you have a, a blue check mark by your name? Um, I don't know. Not very. Are you? <laughs> I seriously, if you check my regular Facebook page, you can track where I am every time. <laughs> Another uh, listener here, just real quick, is some of some of our comments come in in real time. Brantley Spicer is listening from up in Delaware County. He said the former mental hospital in Butlerville is now a military training center. So once again, all of oh, these o- former state hospitals or yeah. state mental hospitals are, mm-hmm. are are not there anymore. So well, thank you very much for being oh, on. You're we, we're excited to have you on and. Uh, we fun. definitely have an open door here anytime anytime well, you need you. Uh, need a recording studio whether you want to be on the show or not you're, <laughs> you're welcome we're happy to help you out thank you uh danny final thoughts for us anything you need to plug well i don't have anything to plug i'm not selling anything for the next couple of weeks anyway <laughs> uh no it was cool getting to know you melanie i hope you have a a great christmas and new year um i appreciate your service i know that it's a lot to probably stomach and deal with on a daily basis beyond what any of us at the table know and uh it's very much appreciated and even though we probably won't always agree upon our thoughts and beliefs it's still wonderful to have people like you in a place of leadership and uh somewhat power so i thoroughly appreciate it Besides that, um, final thoughts is uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. I hope everyone enjoys their family. Jeremiah and I have uh, had a few losses this week, and it makes you kind of appreciate what our uh, kind of align where our, our thoughts and beliefs are to an extent, and you know, just appreciate who you have, what you have, and when you have it, and mm. just uh, enjoy enjoy your life. Yep, and that's that's it. Very good. And uh, some the fans are all wanting to know about the playoffs. What's going on? Sports update from Danny. We want to know about the AFC playoff picture and uh, the playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. All right. So uh, NFL-wise, AFC, it's going to definitely come down to the Pittsburgh Steelers and the 
New England Patriots. New England seems to have something in the rule book that always allows them to win uh, against all odds, which is interesting. Um, <laughs> NFC playoff news. Uh, the 49ers are way out of it. That's not going to come back. Um, what, what's, what do the Colts have? Donnie Morrill is desperately hoping that the Colts win God. this week. Donnie Morrill and I have something you will never have, and that's a tattoo of the f- family crest. Yeah. One. Uh, no, I've said I will get that if I if Dakota gets the sponsors. I, I think that the well the Bills might get a playoff. Yeah, playoff first, first time in, since two thousand. <clears throat> the Colts just need to bury their head in the sand and continue to do what they're doing and lead the first half and fall asleep in the second I, half. I and make no adjustments. I watched part of a Colts game a few weeks ago back when they were in New York. Yeah, the, and it was snowy. Yeah, so in Buffalo. Bad. Yeah, that was like actual entertainment. You know, that's the first it time just, I've ever watched a, a football game and thought, "Hey, you know, I'll watch this. This is kind of neat." It was a circus show. It was oh man, hilarious. Never. Um, Do you Pat know McAfee did his review of like his voiceover of whenever the when Adam Vinatieri was kicking. Yeah, yeah and he lost five hundred thousand dollars because he missed that kick in uh, overtime. Are you serious? Yep. He, now, this was this was right before they. Imagine this is when three point four percent of that would have gone to the state of Indiana. That five hundred thousand, oh the whole state lost on that. He lost. We lost all the income tax. Thanks on that a moment. lot, Pagano. Yeah. Another reason why he should be fired. <laughs> but I mean, that's not up to us. Yeah, but him watching them. Uh, this was uh, the kick. Whenever he took them into overtime, he yeah. tied the game. The extra and point. They were, the world's yeah. craziest forty-three yard extra point. Yeah, and they were they were kicking the snow out of the way, and the Colts used all their timeouts to to kick the snow the refs were throwing all the staff off of the field mm-hmm. because they were out and they wouldn't let the water the boys kick the uh slide it off yeah and he like like that that ball went out like 10 yards away from the from the actual field goal and, and if anyone like that that was pure luck that was not oh yeah that was, like, that was just that's a knuckleball <laughs> close your eyes kick the ball <laughs> that's, that's exactly happens. what he wanted <laughs> well but, thanks uh, thanks I, thanks on the sports desk daniel i Paul. am working on a curling update for the U.S. Olympic team, we so do I'll need a preview before a before weeks. South Korea's uh, hosts the Olympics in Jan- in, in uh, February. We're gonna have to we're probably gonna have to have you work on every week during the Olympics. Well, the that's my plan. There? Yeah, what's that? Will the North Koreans be there? Oh, man, that is uh, that's gonna be a hot. I bet thing. they're pretty good at curling. We're having the Olympics 150 miles away from the most controversial dictator on on the planet right now, so yeah, that'll be fun. Interesting. I'm not going. I refuse to go. <laughs> Dakota, what do you got for us? All right. Um, I just want to say really quick. Uh, whenever I went to the Memorial Park Board meeting, um, all the city of and county officials had just found out about Brad Catcher and the Newcastle mm-hmm. City Police Chief's passing. Um, really sad situation. Um, anybody that watches Boss Hog Liberty knows that I've gone to the uh, city council meetings a few times. I've heard Brad talk at those. Mm-hmm. Um, was always seemed like a really genuine guy, somebody who really cared about the people, not just the police work. You know, he seemed like a really good guy. Um, uh, I speak for all Boss Hog of Liberty whenever I say that uh, he will be missed, and we really feel are going to send our thoughts and prayers out to him and his family. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely been a rough year for the Newcastle Police Department. Uh, we had an officer that was shot this year. Uh, and thankfully, Brandy Brandy's doing well. Uh, and then the past Brandy is uh, somebody we need to have on the show. I'd love to have Brandy on at some point. Um, no, Danny after she no. gives me right, my ride along. That's right. Um, and then uh, you know, obviously, this is just a devastating week for the for the for the city. Uh, just just rough. Um, and then Danny and, and talked about it earlier. Uh, a pastor that was very very important to us and around the basketball organization Danny played for, and I I did film work for the Eastside Golden Eagles. Uh, Mark Judy lost his uh, battle with uh, ALS this week, 
Uh, and there's a really nice featured story that uh, I think Annette Smith had in the, yeah, uh, the Greenfield I, paper today. I didn't so. know him, but that was a great article. Yeah, check that out if you can. That's uh, that's my little plug this week. Uh, really appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate Melanie joining us. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. This is the last episode before uh, before Christmas. Um, also, watch your uh, your podcast feeds on uh on the we are libertarians network two weeks ago we recorded an episode in here on you can't outrun the fork with uh with brett bittner episode 11 should be coming out by the time this comes out episode 11 should be out our one of our new co-hosts clay uh or clay cade all these k's <laughs> c's and k's <laughs> the oh, God, no worked for me. it worked the great k makes the cut sound <laughs> so Cade Coger will be on uh, will be on that check it out I try to do a nice thing and plug a guy and you just ridicule me at the end of the show you may not get your Christmas present from me Merry Christmas everybody we'll see you uh, we'll see you next week we have uh, uh, Lane Seekman is scheduled to be on he's uh, running for Congress in the 6th District so we look forward to hearing from Lane thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network get our other shows at we are libertarians.com <laughs>